welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Father, I pray as we come around your word tonight, once again, Father, I do pray that, Lord, you will speak one more time from this pulpit, that, Lord, this word, Lord, that you've put in my heart today will lift up the name of Christ and will bless your people. I ask for this, Lord Jesus. I pray that there will be a blessing in here, Lord. Even in the squeeze of the grape, there'll be a blessing in it, Father. And I just glorify you today, Lord, for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do in all of our lives as we surrender daily to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If you have a Bible, turn to the book of Joshua. It's in your Old Testament. And um, we're going to look at uh, chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of the dedicated things to the Lord. Uh, And the Lord was very angry against the Israelites. Achan was the son of Camry, a descendant of Zimri, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah. Joshua sent some of his men to Jericho to, from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai, east of Bethel, near Bethaven. When they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go there. It won't take any more than two or 3,000 men to attack Ai. Since there are so few of them, don't make all the people struggle to go up there. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. Uh, The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at the turn of events, and their courage melted away. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw the dust on their heads, and bowed down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. Then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the river Jordan? If you're going to let the Amorites kill us, if only we had been content to stay on the other side. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the people living in the land hear about it, they will surely surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? But the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things which I commanded that they must not take. And not only have they stolen them, they have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. That is why Israel, uh, that's why Israel's elites are running from their enemies in defeat. And we'll leave the scripture there at the moment. Um, so this is, the, this is the start of the, the children of Israel taking their, the promised land. The land has been promised to them. The Canaanites that lived in this land, as I told you many times before, God told the Jews that I'm, I'm not giving you this land because you're a good people. Um, talking about the Jewish people, it's not because of your virtue or your qualities that I'm giving you this land. I'm actually taking it from the Canaanites because they had become so vicious, so corrupt and so darkened that God was, was basically chastising the, uh, the, the Canaanites in that land. And uh, a lot of reading of history uh, will tell you a lot of their practices weren't at all savory to say the least. And so here they have, Joshua is the, you could say, he's taken the burden and the mantle of, of leadership for Israel. Moses is dead. 
He's been with Moses since the time they left Egypt. He's uh, been faithful to the Lord. He's kept his faith strong in the promises of God. He knew that the Lord was doing something very remarkable with his people. I mean, they had been in bondage for 500 years in Egypt uh, and then came to this, this apex of their, of their, of their, of their nationhood. They weren't, they weren't even a nation. They were, they were a slave people where God had delivered them through Moses. And, and obviously Joshua had come out and seen the mighty miracles that God had delivered his people. And so this, this man, Joshua, is actually the same as, as Jesus. You know, it's, it's, it's the Hebrew for Jesus. And it's a type of deliverer, of course. When you read Joshua, is there a type of deliverer bringing the people into the, into the, into the promised land? Our Savior brings us into the, the true promised land. So he's, he's, you know, at the start, you can imagine after following Moses, this incredible man of God. Moses was a very educated man. He was educated in the house of Pharaoh. He could speak several languages. He was educated, um, a super intelligent man, an incredible tactician. Um, you know, th- th- you're not talking about some sort of uh, nomad that couldn't read or write. You're talking about a very, very, very super intelligent man uh, that God laid his hand upon and had to break him in, 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 in the Midianite desert because his, sometimes your intelligence can get in the way. Sometimes you think you can bring about God's work using your intelligent mind. But he, nonetheless, he was a very, very intelligent man and he was a prince of Egypt. And so you can imagine his leadership was something stunning to behold. I mean, we, we read a lot of the snippets, but we see a lot of the character of Moses, the strength of Moses, the character of Moses, the faith of Moses. But Moses is dead, and he's got big shoes to fill. And so he's facing an enormous task. He's got nearly 3 million people, an army of 700,000 troops, um, and they're facing, to, they're told by the Lord, you're to go in and inherit a land that I'm giving to you. But this land is not going to be easily taken. It's not that the other guys at the other side of the river saying, come in and, and, and inhabit our cities. There's going to be fight there. And he knows how fickle people are. He knows how one minute the, the people are with you, the next minute they're not. So he understands people. You know, he's been, he saw them in the desert. I mean, no sooner, a couple of weeks after walking through the Red Sea, they're rebelling against Moses and they're, they're fornicating in the desert and they're having an orgy, literally, the whole nation. They're, they're naked in front of their children. They're bound up with a golden calf. It's amazing why God didn't wipe them off the face of the earth because of their outrageous behavior. But God understands that we're all outrageous and he's working a plan. Amen. And I thank God for that. Amen. As you get older, you begin to say to yourself, if, if not by the grace of God, there go I. The level of judgment towards others begins to fall because you begin to see how culpable we all are. And it's nothing other than God's mercy and goodness to each and every one of us tonight that, that we are here at all. And so he had seen how the people had turned many times in over the 40 years, flip-flopped in their love for God. And, and so he has now faced this huge situation of bringing the people into the, in, the inheritance that God has given them. And in chapter 1, you read these incredible consoling words that the Lord gave to, to Joshua. He, you know, I'll just give you a snippet. He, the Lord said to Joshua, verse 5, he says in chapter 1, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. What a promise, you know. I mean, this is not an angel speaking. This is God speaking to him. There's, there's an encounter with God at the start of his leadership, his premiership of, uh, as the leader of the nation. And he says in verse 5 again, he says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. What, what, you know, it's incredible. And as I go down to these, it's going to sound like somebody else. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Does it sound like somebody else? Of course it does. The Savior said it to us, didn't he? In verse 6, he says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Verse 8, he says, do not let the book of the Lord depart from your mouth, but meditate upon it day and night that you may observe carefully to do everything written in it. Then you will have prosper and you will have success. Have I not commanded you to be strong and be courageous once again? 
Verse 9, do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord thy God shall be with you wherever you go. And then he says, in three days' time, you're to cross over the Jordan River. But what reassurances this man had. And, you know, we need those reassurances in our life as Christians. We need to be able to hear the voice of God. Each and every one of us need to be able to hear and discern what God is saying. Sometimes God is speaking to a preacher to you, and I hope tonight that will be the way. But when you, when you meditate on the Word yourself, as you begin to pray and seek the face of God, you hear that reassurance from the Spirit that everything's going to be okay. Maybe you're, tonight you're in a place where you're a little bit turbulent as a Christian. Maybe you're just not hearing the voice of God saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, as I was with Joshua and Moses and all those, I am with you. Wherever the soul of your foot shall trod, I will give to you. Amen. It may be tonight you just need to hear that from the Lord. Whatever circumstances that you find yourself in, Christian, tonight, you need to know that the blessings of the, God, uh, the Lord are without revocation, that there's a promise over your life. And so Joshua had this enormous task, but he had incredible promise. He had cast iron guarantees that God was going to bless him. And of course, his, his uh, adventure across the Jordan was no small matter. I mean, they had to, the, the Lord dried up the Jordan River. It happened to be in harvest time. The river was in flood. The scriptures tell us, I won't bring you to all the readings, but you can read it in Joshua right through the, the chapters we're reading. And the river was in flood. And, on. and so the Lord backed up the river from the Jericho right up to this, the town of Adam. And they walked across in dry grounds. Roughly 17 and a half miles of, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the Jordan was completely dried up. And, you know, three million people. If it was only a small little valley that was opened up, it would have taken them 29 days to get three million people through that. But it was 17 miles of dry ground that they crossed over on. And so it's an amazing thing that they cross over into the inheritance of God. Uh, you know, when you dried up that river, it's a picture of the cross, crossing into the inheritance of God through the cross of Jesus Christ. But anyway, here he is, and, and bringing the people through these extraordinary miracles. He'd seen it 40 years earlier in the Red Sea. And now again, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Still working miracles for him. And so they come in, and we all know the great story. The, the, the major city, there's many, many cities in, in, in Canaan at the time. Uh, but the major one was Jericho. Jericho was the, the sort of capital, and it was a large metropolis, a large city. And it had walls that were, you know, I can't remember, I haven't done it, 30-foot high walls, according to archaeology. It had an outer wall and an inner wall. The outer wall was six foot thick. The inner wall was 12 foot thick. And there was a gap of between 12 and 27 feet between both walls. A pretty formidable city uh, to take down. And so this nation are going up against a well-prepared, the Canaanites have been watching the maneuverings of the, of the Israelites for a long time. They knew that God was dispossessing them. We know the story of Rahab the harlot that was in the city when the spies went in to see what was going on. And they, the whole city knew. They knew judgment was coming for their sin. They knew that they had become, behaved so awfully as a people. Their behavior was so intolerable to God that, that, that even a, a, a prostitute, you could say one of these very unsavory lifestyle people, she knew that, you know, the, the, the piper, the, 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 the reefer was coming, that the, the piper was going to be paid and had good enough sense to say, you know, we deserve this judgment coming upon our city and put our lot in with the God of, 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 of Israel. And as a result, God spared her, as we know in the story. But again, the supernatural manifestation of God through, through this man, how God ordered his steps. He tells him very easily, he said, I just want you to assemble the army. I want you each once a day for the next seven, six days, I want you to march around one time around Jericho. Nobody's daughter a word and then go back to your base camp again. 
So every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and they march around one time. And you can imagine this like this huge Mexican standoff. Nobody's saying a word. Nobody's firing an arrow. It's terrifying. It's, it's ominous. It's, it's weird. What army does that? Psychological warfare, some would call it. But that's what God told them. It didn't make much sense possibly to Joshua or his army. They had to muster all the troops. They had to get all the animals. They had to get everything together. They don't know if something's going to kick off or not, but they have to just trust the Lord because the battle belongs to the Lord. And so on the seventh day, they marched around seven times and then they were told by the Lord to blow the trumpets and make a mighty shout. And then God intervened and the walls of Jericho fell down and they took Jericho. And that was a huge victory for Israel at that time. And so there's many other cities. And now we come to this portion of scripture tonight. So they just won this mighty battle. So I I want you to consider the miraculous moves of God. The Jordan, you know, the Jericho. And now they come to a little small town called Ai. And, and the word Ai means runes. That's what it means in the Greek. Just little old runes. It, nobody would look twice at it. Uh, some, you know, not a lot of people living there. They were going to have to take that. It was strategic to take it. And so they surveyed. There's not even, there's no, if you read the scripture, they don't even inquire from the Lord. You know, I mean, Joshua inquired of the Lord when he went up against Jericho and God told him what to do. But sometimes you can just move ahead of the Lord, can't you? You know, you can just make small decisions for your life that you've never really prayed about. And then things go awry in your life. Well, this is one of those moments you could see in Joshua's life. But Daniel, they send a scouting party up to look at AI. And the troops come back and they say, no need to send everybody. It's a small, two or three thousand troops. We can handle this. We'll, we'll take this down, no problem. So they go up. And unfortunately for them, they get routed by a very a more inferior force. They are routed. They're running down the hill, 36, 37 of them are, are, are killed now. I mean, one dead is a tragedy in any, in, any, in any circumstance. But I dare have to say, in the light of the sort of way they fought back then, 36 is nothing in comparison to the vast amount of people that fought against each other in these wars. And, but they are terrified. This, this defeat has kind of knocked the wind out of their sail. They take it as a, like a spiritual omen. How could this happen to us? You know, all of a sudden they're beginning to doubt the word of God. You know, they, they have, uh, they go to this little place, it's a ruins, as they say, and they're doubting God and they're, 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 they're really upset. They're terrified because their enemies around, if all of a sudden they smell blood in the water, that Israel is wounded somehow, that she is a bit shallow, she's a bit thin in her ranks, that she can't handle a bit of, uh, a, a bit of counterattack. And then the whole Canaanite kingdom will rise up and they'll join together because the Canaanites were like most nations back then. If they were one group, they could defeat everybody. But they were kind of city upon city, different rulers, different princes, different lords. But if they could rally and say, we can come together and defeat these Jews. Well, you know, Israel knew what that meant. They knew that this defeat could signal something to their enemies. And it says their hearts melted. And you find Joshua and the elders and they're terrified and they go, into the, they go into the tabernacle and they're before the Lord and they're crying and they're terrified for their lives. They're thinking this is it because of this 36 people dying in this battle and we got routed by a smaller inferior force. The, the whole world's against us. And I don't know about you, but sometimes the enemy does these things in our lives. You know, sometimes you can have a great victory as a Christian. You know, we, you know, you can have the most phenomenal Sunday morning here at Cork Church where, where God's spoken to you or you sense the presence of the Lord or you've had a breakthrough and you just feel, man, I can take on anything. But Monday morning, an inferior force comes along and all of a sudden you, all of a sudden you find yourself running. 
And you, 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 just, you just can't equate until one minute I'm so, so empowered by the Lord and I'm so fired up for the gospel. The next minute the enemy's all over me this, and my life is in ruins. Maybe you're somewhere tonight and you're saying, that's my life at the moment. I feel like I'm in ruins. I feel like I, you know, I've made a decision. Uh, you know, I've, I, I, and yet, yet in your life there's all these promises that God's given you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And you've all read those scriptures, Jeremiah, for the thoughts I have towards you, said the Lord, the thoughts of good and not of evil, to bring you to a righteous end. And uh, Lord, I thought it would be different, but why am I so defeated? David said, why am I so cast down on my soul? And we go through times like this, and of course there was a reason behind this one. There happened to be instruction that was given by the Lord that Israel was not to take any of the wealth of Jericho. It was meant to go to the Lord. And a man called Achan thought differently. He thought, well, I deserve a little bit of a cut. He was a corrupt man. Him and his family were corrupt. And they took what they should have taken and they, they stole what wasn't theirs. And they held it in their tent and they lied all around them. And of course, that, that sin of, of Achan affected the, the entire, you could say, the momentum of Israel. It's interrupted. And it's unfortunate, Christian. I want to tell you, it's unfortunate. Other people's sin can trip you up. Most of the time, it's your own sin. Amen? For to be honest. But it can come situations in our lives where, and Achan, his name means troubler. You are, where there can be a troubler in your life. Something can happen in your life that causes distress or trouble. You know, Solomon says that as surely as sparks for helpers, man is born to trouble. And we are living in a difficult, troubled world, a world that is still, the Bible says, the whole world lies in the lap of the wicked one. We look around us today and we just think, well, we think that what's happening in Russia is a new event. No, friends, it's just an old event being rehashed again. And every 50 years you begin to see it. You know, in actual fact, where we have missed the point is that we have so underestimated the fallenness of human nature. We think that somehow the technology and education, we're able to educate these unctions and behaviors out of us where all of us have some of the most appalling attitudes. All of us can hold some of the most appalling opinions. So all of us can hold some of the most appalling actions and reactions and given ultimate power, God only knows what would come out of us. And so we begin to see these troubles in the world around us. But I want to tell you this morning, Jesus said, in the world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Now Joshua is on his face, he's crying, he's nervous, he's fearful. He's, he, he, it looks like the adventure has fallen on runes, AI, runes. It, 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 the plan is over, it, their, their confidence is melted. You know, taking an objective view of it, you and I would say, come on, you're overreacting. But they obviously understood what a defeat like this would look like in the, in the, in the face of their enemies. And he's terrified. But you know, there comes a time when you have to start holding on to what God says. There comes a time that even if you are tripped up because of someone else's behavior or your own behavior, that God's calling and his gifts are without revocation. And when he says he loves you, he still loves you. Amen. And when he says, I'm going to bring you to the other side, he's going to bring you to the other side. And when he says, when I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you, he's going to be with you. And when he says, I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to send you another comforter, which we talked about on Sunday, the Holy Spirit, he hasn't rescinded him. Amen. 
And so as Christians, as, as ancient believers back then, there came a time where God had to tap uh, Joshua on the back and says, get up off your face, Joshua. Get up off your face. There's a troubler in your camp and he's after messing everything up and you need to deal with him. His name is Achan. Eventually you go through the reading and you can read, follow on in chapter 7 tonight if you want some nice light reading tonight. It's a very interesting chapter. But eventually they have to go back in and find what is the root cause of this. Because I want to tell you friends, there are things that you, you and I can do in our lives that God says, I, I, I do forgive you and I do love you, but I do want you to confess them. Amen. I do want you to bring these things before me. You know, we understand the, the truth of grace and the love of God and how God doesn't impute sin to us. You know, and thanks be to God for those of us who get married, we can have follows with our wives or our spouses. They're still our spouses. Amen. And, and, but you still have to learn how to say sorry. Amen. You just don't take that for granted. A lot of people take the grace of God and they take it for granted and they lose something in the relationship with the Heavenly Father because they haven't learned some good housekeeping and some good manners in saying to God, I'm sorry about that, God. I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong of me. And thank God we don't come to a God who pushes our faces into the ground and rubs our noses in our failure. That is not the God of the Bible, friends, but we are in a relationship with Him. And so Israel had to get to the very core of the issue and eventually they found it comes down to a man called Achan, Troubler. And because him and his family were all complicit in this, in the hiding of, of this wealth, in the lying of it, and because 36 people lost their lives because of his disobedience, the, the, the pronouncement over him and his family was capital punishment. I understand what, what Joshua was doing. Joshua said, I can't have this breaking out right now. I can't have this insurrection. I can't have this individual, you know, people thinking that they can do it their own way in the midst of this time when I'm carrying uh, three million people forward here to inherit a land. We're not going to tolerate that. And so they were stoned to death. The Bible says they brought him to a valley and they stoned him to death. Thanks be to God we live under grace today and not under the law. That's all I can say. Amen. Thanks be to God that we see something in the heart of God that is absolutely reconciling us to his love and his mercy and his kindness. But, you know, there it became known, that valley where they bought Achan to it became known as the Valley of Achor, which is the Valley of Troubles. And really tonight, I just outside of the little history lesson and where we're going tonight and fill up some of those understandings with you, this is what I want to bring across to someone tonight here. Someone watching, someone here in this house tonight. You may, you may have experienced exactly the same trip-ups in your life. Maybe, maybe somebody's sin has caused trouble for you. Maybe someone has done wrong by you. Or maybe you've done wrong by somebody else. And it's led you to a place where the enemy is defeating you. And you feel that weight of pressure against you. I want to tell you something. There's something more important for you to remember and all that. Regardless of your faults or their faults, there is a God in heaven who still loves you and pronounces a promise over your life. And that is without changing today, friends. That's how the just must live by faith. It, regardless of how you feel, regardless of what others have done, or regardless of what you have done, there is forgiveness. Amen. There's restoration. And there's an incredible verse that you can read when you go home again tonight in Hosea chapter 2 and verse 15, where the Lord says, I will turn the valley of Acre or the valley of Achan into a door of hope. And this is what I want to leave with you tonight, Christian. That whatever trouble, be it your making or another person's making, whether you're the Aiken or someone else is the Aiken, 
I want to tell you, God says to you, I will never leave you or forsake you, and I will turn that valley into a door of hope. You can't lose. I said you can't lose, friends, because he's got your back in every way. He's, he's the ultimate chess player. I love my chess. Anybody knows me? I could play 30 games of chess a day. My wife I'm engrossed in chess. I, I, I'm, my name is Pastor Nick, and I'm a chess addict. Okay, I need to go Chess Anonymous. I, I, I really I get it. My wife says it's gone over the top. But I want to tell you, he's the ultimate checkmater. You've no moves to make, friends. Amen. He, he surrounds you with his love. He puts a promise over you. And whether it's your sin or another sin. You know, it's, it's awful, as I said at the beginning, that you know, one man's sin can affect many people. One man's sin can affect not just him, it can affect others. And we see that in Scripture. But I want to leave you with a fantastic verse tonight. It says this in Romans chapter 5. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation to everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Can you say amen? I will turn the valley of acre, the valley of trouble, into a door of hope. What a God we serve tonight. And so when God begins to revive this man. He gets up off his face. He finds the troubler. He puts it right with God. And you know tonight, Christian, you may have to put some things right. You may be offside on how you're living. You might be offside on how you treated another person. You might be offside or outside of the will of God and how you think towards another person in your thought processes. And it's bringing you to AI, which is runes. And God just said to you, get up off your face. I pronounce over you goodwill and love and kindness. Amen. Hallelujah. And the trouble and the ruins that you think are there before you, I would turn them in to a door of hope. Hallelujah. Oh my gosh. How many dear Ukrainian men and women today are in this nation? 28,000 now, I think. And I want, if anyone can hear us in translation, if this ever gets translated, I will turn your valley of trouble into a door of hope. That's what God says. Christian, I don't know what you're going through tonight. I, I, you know, and to be quite honest, it's just probably none of my business. And you're probably better off keeping your own confidence in what you're sure is, unless you can really be sure of who you're speaking to. But whatever it is, God will say to you, whether it's your trouble, whether you're the troublemaker or someone else's, I will turn this into a door of hope. I want you to know that tonight. And that's what the Lord has put on my heart for you. Whatever you're in, whatever battle, whatever distress, I will never leave you. As I was with Moses, so I shall be with you. Wherever the soul of your foot shall go, I will give it to you. I will never leave or forsake you. Be strong, be courageous. We know what happens. They move into victory. And you will have momentary pauses in your Christian experience. You'll have moments where you're on your face. You think the world is over. You think it's all finished. Someone has hurt me. Someone has let me down. Or I've hurt someone. I've let someone down. And I'm defeated. I'm in ruins. Have you ever felt like you're in ruins? Have you ever felt that it was the end of your life? Have you ever felt that it's, it's just all over? And God would say, I will turn that door of trouble into a door of hope. Bow your head with me tonight. <clears throat> I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through. But I know one thing. The Lord says, as I was with Moses, I'm with you. 
And as I was with Jesus, I'm with you. Because the Holy Spirit has come and he's in you. And he's with you. You have to give that trouble to the Lord. You have to give that ruins to him. Whatever it be, say to the Lord, I'm getting up off my face now, God, and I'm trusting your word in my life. And I'm trusting that you will keep me. And I'm trusting that you will hold me and strengthen me again. And Israel got up off its collective face, friends. And it stood in the promises of God. It went in and became a nation with a homeland. And out of that homeland, a savior was born. And out of that savior, friends, became the salvation of the world. God took that very land of Canaan, turned it into the land of Israel, made the capital Jerusalem, and led the Lamb of God there 2,000 years ago into the very valley of troubles. And he produced a hope. And the Bible says, our hope would not disappoint. Father, I pray tonight, God, for this brief word, Lord, I pray it's for someone here, someone watching. For all, oh God, as we may, some might find themselves in ruins, some may find themselves in trouble. And Lord, it doesn't matter. You will turn it into hope as we turn to you now. And as we wholeheartedly confess faithfully before you that you are true and faithful and every promise over my life is yes and amen in Christ. I thank you now, Lord Jesus, that you are a healing God, a healing Jesus. And I give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory in Jesus' lovely name. Can you say amen? amen. The Lord bless you all, and God keep you. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.